Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 30th of April 2023 when All Things Albion recorded their last episode. He was there and so was I. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thank you, Mike. I'm very, very good indeed, thanks. Good. Um, It's good to be back. Top of the show before we talk about anything West Brom. Obviously, people are probably thinking, where the bloody hell have you two been for the last five months? <laughs> well, uh, we've, we've got history of... Well, I personally have got history yeah, of yeah. abductions, as you know. Yeah. I don't so, to too much about it. No, so basically, um, well, I put a post out at the start, well, actually the end of last season. So not probably, I don't know, mid-May, something like that. Um, just basically saying that we weren't going to continue the podcast uh, for this coming season. Um, the reason being was just my schedule was too busy. I just had too much on. And unfortunately, um, you know, the podcast was just a step too far with the editing and the recording and everything. It was just too much. So took the decision um, to not continue the podcast. But um, to be fair, over the last five months, been pretty overwhelmed with the kind messages, you know, people saying, you know, do you think the podcast might come back and and things like that. And, and to be fair, um, like I said, it sort of was quite overwhelming how many people missed the podcast. And it was something that myself and Steve have discussed about coming back. And we decided that now was the time to come back. Um, so in terms of scheduling, we're going to, uh, to start off with, we're going to do a monthly podcast once a month. Uh, I hope that people aren't too disappointed to hear that because obviously we're weekly. I said to Steve the other day, it's almost like we've done an Only Fools and Horses or Luther where we've started off as a weekly podcast or weekly show and then we've gone to more like a Christmas special or a couple of episodes here and there. But no, we want to go monthly um, because we believe that one, it'll give me the opportunity to obviously, you know, produce the best show possible. But secondly, it gives us plenty to talk about as well. I think there was times when we were weekly that we didn't have much to talk about. So I think very monthly we'd have more material. Um Possibly in the future, we might increase the um, about, yeah the frequency. Thank you of the podcast that we do. Maybe you know every other week or something like that. But for now, we just want to set a baseline of once a month, um, and then go from there. So yeah. Anyway, thank you everyone for the support. Thank you for sticking with us and, and you know and continuing to support the show via socials. It is really appreciated. And thank you for all the messages as well because that was appreciated. Anyway, shall we dive back in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, do, it. So, let's, let's um, do the pod. Let's do the podcast. It's just a couple of ordinary fans, then. Yeah, why not? So um, let's start off with um, the game. Let's go to the 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 earliest, or sorry, the most recent game, and then we've got other stuff to talk about. Obviously, like the season that we've missed so far, and and bring everyone up to date. But first, let's talk about the Blues game. So. Um, the starting lineup was Palmer, Bartley, Kipre, Peters, Furlong, Yakushlu, Mowat, Phillips, Dean Garner, Swift, and Wallace. Um, just to make a side note quickly, great to see Kipre and Mowat in the starting lineup, especially Mowat. We were banging the drum for him a lot last season, so it's nice to see that you know he's come in and done such a good job. I was really angry about him getting loaned out last year, and I think he just sort of. Once again, <laughs> compounds Uncle Steve's horrendous decision-making. Um, but he's done very well, so it's nice to see him back. But unfortunately, it was a bit of a, um, I say, frustrating game. Uh, we went 1-0 up 
good goal from Jonathan Swift. And then one of the most horrendous referee decisions I've probably ever seen. Uh, Key Prey slipped over and tackled the player. The ball goes out for a corner kick, um, I believe. And no one's appealing for a penalty. No one looks, you know, like sometimes if they've done a bad tackle, they just sort of stand there frozen. None of that. The game was just going to continue. And for whatever reason, the referee decides to blow his whistle and point to the penalty spot. Um, and it was just an awful decision. So, yeah, yeah, before we before we move on to the rest of the game, what did you make of that refereeing decision, Steve? Uh, what, the decision itself, I've got to say, it was made with such panache. I mean, the guy was really decisive in getting it completely wrong. You know, he didn't mess about, did he? He pointed straight to his right arm, shot out straight to the penalty spot. And I thought initially he'd got it wrong because I thought he was giving a goal kick. Uh, but yeah. it was so positive. Oh, and then I realised it was a penalty. Uh, this bloke was burning. At that stage, he was burning to get involved in some key stage of the game. Yeah. He was breaking his neck. He, this guy was sick of being the guy in black jogging around the pitch, not taking part. He was going to get involved. And my word, did he. He gave an absolutely non-existent penalty to such an extent that John Eustace, in my humble opinion, has been sacked on the basis of the fact that he agreed it wasn't a penalty. <laughs> Came out in the press and said he didn't think it was a penalty. And he's got the sack, the next thing we see. So I'm putting two and two together and probably getting five. Yeah. Well, I think the referee did that. But now, before we, um, before we move on to the rest of the game, I just want to have my little say on this, this as well. There needs to be some serious questions asked of the the officiating. Obviously, the big thing at the moment is the Liverpool decision. Um, you know where it was. He was quite clearly onside, but they gave offside, even though on VAR it was quite clear. You know, and it's happening all the time. It's happening across the board. Sunderland they had a player sent off for something ridiculous, and obviously we've had this penalty against us. It's getting worse every season. I say it's getting worse, and but it is. And if I'm honest with you, Steve, this is just my opinion, but I think this whole, well, no one can interview the referee, no one can question the referee, otherwise they'll get a three-match ban, you know, as obviously as a manager. No one can criticise the referee in interviews because they'll get, a, you know, a, a fine. It's breeding arrogance amongst the referees, and it's getting to the point now where they just think, oh, I can do this, I can do that. I don't know what else to say, really, except... Whether it be PG Mall or whoever, they need to sit down and say, can you please explain to us how you came to that decision? Because it's ridiculous. But there's no questions asked. If Carlos Corbran makes a bad decision about tactics, if a player makes a mistake, the, the, the press is straight after the game. Why did it happen? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Referees, nothing. You go home. Thanks a lot. Here's your money. Just don't, don't do any interviews. You're above that. It's ridiculous. Well, as far as, and that you're giving a perfect example there of, of how it appears to fans. You know, I mean, I would hope, and again, this is perhaps a naive, forlorn hope, uh, but I, 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 it is one, it is a, a genuine hope that they, they actually do question the referee about the decisions. Now, there's no VAR, obviously, in the championship. And, and really, it should be a boon, that should. It, 
But what what you get is with VAR. I'm, I'm sorry, I know I'm veering a little bit off our game here, but it, it's indicative of the um, context, the environment in which referees exist, and they are, as you say, they are cocooned in a sort of a world of separation, yeah, of se- separateness. You're above questions. You're well, above. It, I don't, they're probably not. They probably are questioned, and they probably are debriefed, shall we say? Uh, and I mean that in the politest, t- you know, way of, of, of it. Is you know they they are debriefed about the, about the decisions, and I'm sure it takes place. I get I get I get the impression that sometimes that they're, they're made that it's made known to them when they've made a bad decision at half time uh, or halfway through the game. Um, because you, you, the number of times, and, and again, this is only opinion, but the number of times we've seen corrective decisions made in the second half to even things up a little bit. Um, but we didn't get that. We, we got another dodgy free kick given against us, which resulted in their third goal, in my opinion. Keep right again. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, I think uh, there was something on, on the on the uh, TV, Mike Dean, uh, in a sort of like a, a heated discussion mm. wasn't there with a panel of um, Paul Merson, wasn't it? Well, Paul, it wasn't just Paul Merson. There was a there was a group. Of, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as build either. It wasn't a, a massive confrontation and a meltdown and all. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. They made it sound like it was like coming to fisticuffs with the, well, uh, the clickbait I mean, title. It was a relatively sort of cogent and polite conversation, really, as far as it can ever be with Merce. Um But he's. It, it was. It just shows you how stilted the thinking is within PG Mall. You know, he made a decision. Apparently, the guy who made the key decision with regards to the offside, basically, from what I understand, pressed the wrong button, and then the game was restarted. And because the game had restarted, they couldn't stop the game again, because it's the rules. Because Mike Dean, always my favourite referee, <laughs> not. Um, says so. Says that that's the law. He was talking about it's the law. Well, it, it ain't. It, it's procedural rules from you know a body of, of people who sit around in stuffed shirts and talk about things. It, so what you've got is you've got this cocoon situation, and you've got a set of rules which have to be must be abided by, and in order to to carry on their little empire. They have to protect themselves and the and the people who are out there in the firing line. What I always say, and I'm sure other people do, and I'm not going to go on with, about this too too much longer. I promise. But you've only got to look at rugby to see how it can be done properly. Yeah. And if it's done properly, and referees are put in a situation where they can safely go about their business, obviously, and it can be communicated because the only pe- the only people who are, who are excluded from the rationale behind decisions are the people who pay the money to be there. Yeah, and it's that's gone on for too long. It's it's and for Mike Dean to be sitting there and boldly stating that it's the law, it's just not good enough anymore. It's it's not, and I know I'm talking about the Premier League. Back to our game, it was a really really poor decision by a man in again in my opinion who desperately wanted to be deeply involved in the game. And I was always taught as a kid, and I know I'm a lot older than the majority of people who are perhaps listening in the one, because I'm in my 60s now. But I can remember a time when referees were judged as good, or really, really good, by how little you noticed they were on the pitch. 
If they did almost nothing, they were highly thought of. But these days, referees, my God, they're everywhere. They're all over. It seems like they want to be the star, almost. But it wasn't just the penalty. That free kick, um, which resulted in the third goal, I thought was a suspect free kick. I I couldn't see a free kick in it. I know I'm one-eyed as far as the Albion are concerned, but I just, I thought, no, that's not a free kick. And when he gave a free kick, and then he sailed into the the top left-hand bin, I thought, you know what, this this has got fate written all over it, this has. So, yeah, anyway. That's enough. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> then they scored the second, which was pretty poor defending from ourselves. Um, you know, disappointing that we were beaten in the air, considering we had Bartley and Kipre in defence. You know, especially Bartley, he's supposed to be quite good in the air. So that was a bit disappointing. Um, and then obviously the third goal we've already talked about. So, I mean, I heard a few people set mention, well, it was a crap decision from the referee, but we should have regrouped and, and carried on and won the game anyway but I don't know I feel like I feel like that decision it breaks your concentration the players stop stop thinking about the opposition and start thinking about how frustrated they are with the referee I feel like that was the catalyst really and, and a big change in the game but anyway it's an um, indicator it's an indicator of fragility that is mental fragility you know it can you imagine a Megson team with McInnes as captain no. Succumbing, succumbing under those circumstances because I'm damned if I can. I really can't. It, you know, we haven't got a captain. I know Wallace is doing the job, and and you know, and I'm not going to get on. I'm not going to get on about Wallace because he's 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 been co-opted into that job because there ain't no but ain't no real captain in the club. So Wallace is captain, you know, because he's willing to do it and he's a good lad and he speaks well. And I've heard, I, I think I heard on another podcast that these days captains really. Um, are sort of a, a bit of a figurehead, a, a bit of a um, not really something that is of real significance on the football pitch. And and as soon as I heard that, I thought, well, I'm sorry, but I don't agree with that at all. You know, a captain on the pitch sets the tone. We played football, Steve, you know, both of us did, and together at one point. A captain is someone you look to in, in times of hardship, so I don't subscribe to that thinking at all. Um, but anyway, on the flips, on the positives, um, it was nice to see Birmingham win their cup final for the year. Um, yeah. I thought that we were... I, I didn't think there was... Well, I don't think there was much hostilities between us and Birmingham. I thought we were sort of, you know, quite friendly with each other, but obviously not. They're, you know, their admin for their social media got so excited if we got our geography worked. Saying that the Birmingham is blue, West Brom yeah, isn't Ewer, in Birmingham. Our city is blue. <laughs> city is blue. Strangely, yeah, yeah we're, West Brom isn't in Birmingham, but there you go. So he forgot how job it works. Obviously, didn't get that O level, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's showing your age. That is O levels. <laughs> um, the uh, John Eustace was acting like he just won the World Cup before he got sacked, and their players were. I don't know. It was very strange, but anyway, good for Birmingham. Enjoy your. Cup final win. That's where you'll be talking about it in years and years to come. To be anyway. fair to them, that's four on the trot that they beat us now. No, I agree. But they've like, got a, they've got a, they've yeah. got an element they've got an element of, um, of supremacy. Well, it's it's it, they've taken over from Stoke in many ways. It's sort of yeah, they have it's getting to that. But what what knocks me is not the fact that it was Birmingham necessarily, but it was the team that was playing against us. weren't that good? No. Uh, and and they beat us three one. And it's this fragility it, that worries me a little bit. We're, we're playing a, a, in a way, 
possession football that we play in, obviously, as, as everybody knows now, that's as, that's what he likes, uh, Triple C. Um, and we are really, if we're honest with that, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we can't we can't handle it for ninety minutes, uh, it, and it's and, we, and it's shown in the number of goals we're, we're conceding because we de- we've conceded three, mm. and we're back we're back to conceding at least two goals in, in a game again suddenly you know I, I, and I know it's only the first time and we've had a good run and I'm conscious of the good run and I know we've been doing well and Preston was brilliant I know all that and I'm not dismissing it but we we've let ourselves down defensively again. And it's not just about the back four or the back five. It's about the whole team defending as one when we're out of position of the ball. We, we're not doing it properly. We're fragile. We were on a good run. We were playing well. And obviously, you know, things went wrong against Blues. But I, like you, I'm conscious I don't want to be too negative because it has been, you know, a decent run and we've been doing quite well. Um, so just before we move on, I want to go to have your say. Uh, Tonky Towers, thank you for your comment. He said, other than the obvious from last night, mate, your thoughts on young Tom Fellow's introduction? I thought he did well, was lively and really positive few minutes for the lad. Well worth more game time on the basis of my humble opinion. Um, absolutely. I thought he was really good. When he come on, you know, he's positive running forward, took on, beat a few players with his like first touches of the, the ball. Um, and I think, you know, one for the future. I'm disappointed about TGH going. Um, I think that I was, was feathers about that. I still um, am, in fact. Especially for the money we we sold him for, you know, a reported seven hundred thousand pound loan fee, with a one point three million pound option to sell him uh, at the end of the season if Bristol decide Bristol City, um, and hopefully, you know, we don't make the same mistakes with Tom Fellows. I know that TGH had his critics, and I understand that he's not the finished article, but he was like twenty two. Not going to be the finished article at twenty two. Um, but hopefully we don't make the same mistake with fellows because he looks like a good player and he can get integrated and, you know, become more prominent in the first team over the next few seasons. I agree. I, I mean, fellow, Tom, Tom Fellows did really well when he came on. Um, I think he'd got the right mindset when he came on. Uh, obviously, we don't know what's been said to him, but we can imagine that he said, go out there and, and show us, give us, give us everything that you've got. And um, I was impressed. I was imp- I was impressed by the way he moved up and down the line. Um, he 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 was confident and he worked really hard. And as you say, he beat his players. Um, I think I think with TGH as well as Tom Fellows, um, the, the snag with us is that we're, we we've never we've never ever got a strong enough squad to to cope with youngsters. Um, yeah. And I've said this, I've said this before, and I've said this on the podcast previously. And we're now even in in an even worse situation because not only are we a, a bit of a weak squad, quality-wise, I'm talking about now, not necessarily numbers, but quality-wise, we're uh, we're we're not we're not what we were. Uh, and I'm talking about the last time we were in the Championship. Now, not not in the Premier League, obviously mm-hmm. not the same as that. Um, but we are injury ravaged. We we just cannot keep um, attacking players on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to come on to that in a second. Um, you are right, and and I want to come on to that in a second. So let's just wrap a bow on the Blues game, and then we'll go on to injuries. So um, after that game, we currently sit eleventh uh, on sixteen points. 
It's a shame because had we have won that game, we'd now be sitting uh, fourth, I think, or fifth, somewhere around there, in the playoffs anyway. But unfortunately, we're down to 11th. But, you know, it's early in the season yet. And obviously, if you've got to run a game, you can be right back up there again. Um, and let's go to Triple C's uh, interview after the game. Nice to hear from Triple C again. Oh, the cousin, cousin Carlos Corbran. Um, he's talking to WBA.co.uk. He said, it's difficult game to analyse because we started really well, scoring the goal, and after we couldn't control the ball enough in the attacking half, which for me would have changed the game. We concede one penalty that impacts the game a lot because until that moment, we had the game under control and, ch- and that changed the feeling of the game. This season, we've received key decisions from referees and so far there have been five action of penalties, which has not resulted in a penalty. It's something very difficult to accept. In the second half, we tried and the way they defended their box was better than the way we attacked their box. Now is a moment for recovery because the players have put in a lot of effort and unfortunately stayed the effort we put in didn't get any points in the bag. The first thing we need to do is recover. The second thing with the injury of Sarmiento, of Madger and probably the injury of Swift is to take care of them because we can't lose more players because our attack, our options in attack are reducing and impacting us a lot. Um, good interview from Triple C as always. Always enjoy hearing him talk and it alludes to what you hinted at a second ago, Steve. Our injury list, you know, it's growing again. Obviously, DK is still injured from last season. Signed Madger, he's injured. Signed Samiento, he's injured. Then now, uh, Jonathan Swift's injured. I think we're still waiting on a scan, I believe, uh, as of recording this podcast, unless you know any different. No, I'm not not aware of it, except I'll give you my prediction now. Um, Six to eight weeks. Yeah, so... I mean, do you remember when we had... um, when did we sign Stephen Reid? Was it around? It was around Roy Hodgson's time, wasn't it? Just maybe before Roy Hodgson came in. But anyway, yeah, it was around about that time. You know, he yeah. had his injury problem. Players like him had his injury problems. Oh, yeah. We seemed to get the best out of him. Well, we had this. We had this world class medical department. If you remember, yeah. Um, do you remember um, Jerome? Jerome? Jerome Thomas. Jerome Thomas. Yeah. He had shin splints, didn't he? And he had all sorts of issues with his legs. And, and we kept him on the pitch. And I remember the Arsenal game. He was brilliant. And, and he, But it wasn't just that game. It's the one that sticks out in my mind. You know, we kept players on the park with our allegedly sort of like world-class uh, medical. Um, but the infrastructure of the club has been denuded to such an extent now, you don't even know where the medical uh, the medical no. I was gonna uh, say it's a shame systems because, are in place, do you? Yeah, because all we seem to do now is, is get, you know, players seem to get injured constantly. Um, I'll go to have your say. Um, Neil WBA, thank you for your comment. He said, why do we keep having key players breaking down and getting long-term injuries, getting towards epidemic proportions? Is it something to do with the training session conditioning diet? I don't know. You know, this is not something that started happening to Corbrand, to be fair. I mean, DK has been injured pretty much since he arrived at the club, barring about 10 games. Sorry? Who's that? He's some player we signed a few years ago, apparently. Uh, Um, yeah, yeah. So he, he plays every now and again. Um, you know, but I don't know. I it don't isn't know whether you put your finger on the on the uh, on the button, mate. Because this is this is I've heard that comment um, several times. Oh, oh, yeah, in the recent in the recent history, um, we we seem to have players who break down on the pitch, and 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 that's been that's been alluded to before. It's our training methods. Um, I think, I don't know, I think 
the thing is, though, if it's training, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but if it's training no, methods, it wouldn't just happen under, you know, one manager. I'm not saying that you're saying that, but that, that theory, yeah, yeah. oh, it's the training methods. Well, yeah, yeah. it's been happening for ages now, not just under Corbrand, under Bruce. Well, I, don't, I don't really think it is. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you just said, you just said, you know, you, you don't, you're not accusing me of actually thinking. And, and you're right. I don't, I don't actually think it's the training methods. Um, I think there's an element of real bad luck in it. Uh, and I, th I think, and I think, there's a tendency these days for players not to play on through injuries like they used to. Uh, and and I think an, a, an excellent example of why that's a good idea is Moat, because he was slated. He was, um, he was, he was, he was a proper stoic geezer. He was playing through. I, I believe he got an ab abdominal injury, and he was playing through it, doing his best for the club. Um, and he was slated for it because he, oh, you know, he's rubbish and all of this. When we were we were all saying that kid's playing through an injury, he's got to be. I remember us talking about it on a, on the podcast and off yeah. the podcast. And I was saying particularly, it looks to me like he's got a groin or he's got a um, a hernia. And and honestly, I had no idea that that was the case. But I just got the way he was playing and and, and the situation. So I don't know. We don't get that these days. So as soon as they get a tweak, um. They're off the pitch now, and they're getting scans. So, I don't know. Perhaps it's preventative measures. Perhaps it's good practice. Uh, but what it does is it leaves us really, really short of attacking players now. I mean, we've already struggled with quality on the pitch because, um, as I say, these Chinese owners really have, have, have supervised us or been custodians through a period of massive reduction quality-wise in the yeah. entire club, and and it's it's reflected in in the playing staff as well. Money still hasn't come in. Five million pounds. I've seen it. It went from, wasn't it? It was like supposed to be January last year. Going to be available for the January transfer window. Then it was going to be the end of the year. And then it was early this year. And now they're just giving up. Just giving yeah, up bother, well, bother, bother stringing us along anymore. Well, it's, it's bloody October now. Isn't it? What's early? <laughs> you hey, say what? I you? mean, yeah, yeah, I said that at the time. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, that perhaps he's. I got this impression that his pe his pens hovering over his checkbook. You know, I, maybe someone. I just <laughs> yeah, he's sort of, oh, rush a blood to the head. Oh no, no, and he just manages to control it. At the last <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he like liar, liar? You know, when he's like fighting the pen. Like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Blues game was crap. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we stopped no, no. so well. I know, mate. I, I checked. I checked as we started ranting, and it was like nine minutes in, and I thought yeah. it was sort of, we went nine minutes back into our return, and we already ranted about something. When I thought about Preston, I thought about Preston when we scored that first goal because when I'll be in school early, I always think, oh no, we scored too early. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you know what Albion do? They try and bloody defend a one nil lead, don't they? And then I thought Preston, we scored quite early against Preston, didn't we? And then and then Moat got the second. And I thought, ooh, bloody hell. And, you know, and then we went on to get forward and, we, and it was like it was glorious yeah. because we were playing against a team that was that was actually open and playing against us. Um, and, of course, Blues didn't play like that and, and a lot of other clubs in the Championship don't play like that. They don't play open attacking football because Preston were cock-a-hoop, weren't they? Tails up. Yeah, and, um, yeah they were on anyway, an eight-game beat-unbeaten run or something like that. Well, they hadn't lost a day until that game all the season. Mm -hmm. So uh, we undid them because they came at us like that. And they just couldn't cope. We uh, we outclassed them that day, to be fair. Yeah, we did. Let's 
have a look at the squad briefly. Uh, as we've seen at the start of the season, we um, weren't here. We don't do podcasts. So uh, I don't want to go into the transfers and everything because I think that's pretty old hat. Um, but just to sort of run through the squad, because one of the comments on Have Your Say was from uh, Paul Garber. Thank you for your comment. He said, what are your hopes and fears for this season? So just to run through the first team squad, according to uh, WBA.co.uk, my biggest resource is podcast, by the looks of it. Uh, Alex Palmer, Josh Griffiths, Ted Can, um, and then Darnell Furlong, Connor Townsend, Cedric Kipre, Kyle Bartley, Semi Ajayi, Eric Peters, Martin Kelly, uh, Gonzalo Gordon, otherwise known as Pippa, Caleb Taylor, Jed Wallace, Jason Malumbi, Matty Phillips, Grady Diangana, Nathan Chalabar, uh, John Swift, Adam Reach, Alex Mowat, OK Akushlu, Jeremy Sarmiento, uh, and then up front, Daryl DK, uh, Josh Madger, Brandon Thomas Asante, and Tom Fellows is labelled as an attacker, but personally I think he's more of a winger. But anyway. So looking at that squad, um, I know we've got our financial difficulties um, off the field and I know that it's a little bit sort of we've got a bit of an advantage because we're saying this, what, 12 games, 11 games in. But what are your hopes and fears for the season? Do you think we can make the playoffs? Do you think it's or do you think we could win the league or do you think we're going to be in around mid table come the end of the season? Or could we Um, get relegated? I I, I suspect we're mid table. Uh, I think I, I think uh, this last season, uh, and I said this at the time, um, was we we keep having key seasons. We keep, and, you know Albion always have pivotal seasons, and we always have pivotal uh, transfer windows. And the reason we do it is because investment is never appropriate, and yeah. I've banged on about that for ages. Now, the the, the I think we'll end up mid-table. I think eleventh. Um, might be around about where we finish because we've had a few games now. We've, we've had enough games now uh, within the the, uh, the body of the season to give us an indicator of roughly how many points we'll have at the end of the season. Like a case study almost. It, it's like a like a snapshot. Yeah, yeah. You know, a sample. You know, it's a chunk. It's a chunk of the season which is big enough for us to actually think. Um, okay, it's you know. Well, because past performance is pretty is, is a pretty good indicator of future performance, really. Yep. And I think we'll probably end up where we are at the end of the season. Which and but, but my worry is that our financial situation is so bad that by the time we get to January, um, we'll be selling players in fire sale. Um, yeah. In a, in a set of fire fire sale circumstances. Because our situation, our financial situation, which John's talked about on this podcast at length, uh, and and flagged up dire warnings uh, going back um, some time actually. Well, the um, first ever. Sorry to interrupt you again, mate. The first ever like episode we did on finances. He was saying then it looks bleak, and I think, like you say, you know the the, the sort of warnings that he said at the time are, are now coming to fruition, aren't they? Especially like you said, pointing towards January. Well, if we can get to January, um, because we could be in a situation where it could be catastrophic, um, we might we might be fighting relegation at the end of the season. If because who's going to come in for our peripheral players? Nobody. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Jonathan Swift. It's going to be Swift. It's going to be Wallace. It's going to be the quality players or or the decent quality players. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mowat. 
you yeah. know, they're going to see what he can play like now because he hasn't. He's not carrying this injury that everybody was slating. He praised them really well as well. Too. Yeah, he, he praised and and and, we, and obviously at the end of the season as well. Um, Moatan Kipre, Cole Bartley, is going as well, and and so and Ajay's been injured, uh, and he's we're losing him as well. Don't forget, aren't we, for the African Cup of Nations? Yeah. So it, we could be fighting relegation. You know, I sound, te- sound terribly, terribly negative, and I don't mean to, but I'm I am I'm nothing if not honest. Don't win me any friends at all, really. This honesty that I suffer from, but it, it, it I fear. I, I, think, I feel in our bones that the way we are, we'll end up mid-table if things stay as they are. I fear we could be in dire financial straits come January if there isn't a buyer very, very soon. Um, because the way we are being run now, it, it, again, in my opinion, is hurtliness towards oblivion. And unless we can get a new owner to not only buy the club but also take on the debt that has been accumulated by these custodians and I'm being as polite as I possibly can when I say that um, then we're struggling really really badly struggling yeah um, I want to give credit to um, Mark Miles I know that obviously Ron Gourlay left at the end of the season and obviously I have my frustrations with Ron Gourlay um, which was well documented on the podcast but he left Mark Miles uh, was at the club already, took over the role of CEO, and to be fair, it's as you were, you know, the communication with the fans has carried on, obviously having his meetings with Action for Albion, and in that one of those meetings, he confirmed that there was interest in the club, and that the asking price had dropped significantly, uh, I heard rumours around the £50 million mark, you know, sort of £38 million for the club, and then £12 million in the debts that he's owed from various avenues, Um you know, from the club or to the club. Um, it's a shame, really, because I feel like almost we're treading water, um, looking almost off the field for a glimmer of hope if one of these consortiums, you know, does come to the forefront and buys the club and, and sort of does give us that, you know, release of funds that we've so so greatly lacked for the last God knows how long. Um well, you've missed out something quite significant there, and that's the uh, that's the that's the twenty million pound loan that we've had to borrow as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. whoever takes us over hasn't got to pay. I don't know what you said, thirty-eight million quid for the club, and then twelve million to cover the debts that. Yeah, other, well for that twenty-eight the, million pound loan. And then there's another twenty million quid, uh, and 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 by the time somebody takes over, what's that going to be? Because we've got we've got to make a payment. Yeah. We'll have to make a payment pretty soon, I would have thought, on that, if we haven't already. The so, thing is, though, what, what was the point of a £20 million loan to stop a fire sale if in January we're going to have a fire sale? Because it was the situation was worse than we were led to believe. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. You know, this, I mean, all of these things are reports in the press and reports from people. Yeah, and rumours. And, yeah. well, I don't know, I tend to think they're a little bit more than rumours. I hope they are, if they're, if they're in you know, the press and things like that. But, um, but people do re- report rumours, and, and this is not based, I'm not based on some sort of insider knowledge, and I'm, you know, I'm not claiming it's absolutely true. However... What? You're not being texts from one of the club's owners, sisters, no, no, brothers, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the know? <laughs> oddly, oddly, I'm not claiming uh, being ITK. To be ITK? 
but it, you know, it, it's obvious that it's obvious that, that it's worse than we uh, than we were led to believe. It, or at least it strikes me as obvious uh, that that's the case. Um, so we've got to be careful. Uh, you know, we we really, really need to be um, mindful of the fact that uh, January is far more important than just the start of the winter transfer window. Yeah. Yeah, worrying times, mate. But um, I don't know. It's you think it'd be all positive, like, oh, we're back, but it's Yeah, like, why couldn't we beat Blues? At least I'd have had something really positive. I know, yeah, way. I thought that. I thought, bloody hell, we announced we're coming back and then we lose the next game. Um, anyway, so let's look forward to our next game. Uh, 21st of October, 3pm, we're at home to Plymouth Argyle. They're having a pretty, you know, mediocre season. Um, they're 18th in the league. Got promoted last year with Ipswich, who were flying. I mean, they're second in the league, only to Leicester. I think they're they're eight points clear of Preston, Ipswich are. But anyway, sorry. We're playing uh, Plymouth, 11 points. So, yeah, not fantastically well so far. Um, you know, I think I always say the same things when we, we, take, we play a, a lower league side, and all due respect to Plymouth. But, again, we should be winning if we're going to be pushing for the top six, which is, I suppose... You know, triple C's aim, if not everybody else's. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've got to be looking to beat. Well, we've got to be looking to win all our home games. Yeah. You know, you know, we, and we and we haven't done tremendously badly uh, in that in that um, in that aim so far under under triple C. You know, we've 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 done pretty well really at home with the odd. I mean, Oddsfield smacks me in the teeth when I think about it, but uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, we've we've done pretty well, and I think we've got to we've got to look to beating them. But again, we're not going to have Swift now, and Swift has been well. Statistically, he's got to have been the most creative player that we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, and the other thing is just is our now rediscovered or newly discovered um, striker, because if they don't come from him, they come from almost nowhere. I know again. There's people will argue with me against Preston because they come from four different places. But, you know, once again, 1-0 down to Swift. He's the one that opens the scoring against the Blues. And you know, we know what happened afterwards. But it's that opening goal. It's 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 getting the early goals. You know, they're the, they're the key. And, of course, we, we, we are struggling there um, because BTA um, looked lost to me against Birmingham. I think what I would do, this is just my opinion, um, to try and replace Swift, I would push Mowat forward and I'd bring Malumbi next to your Kushler. And I'd play Mowat in... I know he's not the same player as Swift, but I'd play Mowat in the hole where Swift usually operates because I think if anyone's going to be able to replace him... It sounds like we're like all things Mowat this week, but I defended him through thick and thin. <laughs> yeah, it's been impressive. He's been impressive. No, I'm clearly pleasing him do well. But no, if it was me... And if we're talking I think about that's not a bad shift. That's what that's I would not. do. Because Malumbi's a great player. You know, obviously he did really well last season. I think he brings energy. I mean, there was a few comments about why was Malumbi on the bench? Because he brings that intensity into the midfield. Um, but I think Mowat and obviously Akushlu is a quality player had done so well together. It was sort of, a, you know, it would have been hard to one of them to miss out. But I think that's what I would do. Push Mowat forward and bring Malumbi in next to Akushlu. And I think that's you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there with what he, what will actually happen because Malumbi will definitely come in against you because this, this is me predict, predicting there putting me what's it on the block um, and 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 that'll happen because we, we need creativity and we're going to get it 
uh, with blessing. Um, Jason um, Malumbi isn't isn't the most creative player in the world. He can get on the end of, of a couple of things occasionally, like he did last season. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I think I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's pretty much what's going to happen. Um, because uh, I, I, I I got this feeling. I mean, I don't think he'll start, but you never know. We might see a bit more of Tom Fellows as well. Um, yeah. And uh, and Wallace is going to play more centrally again, I think, um, because we've got nobody else to do it. To be honest with you. No, and to be fair, I mean, obviously we've been playing with wing backs and Phillips and Darnell Furlong have done really well. Getting for I mean, Phillips has been brilliant. I just hope we can keep him fit. You know, I mean, he played <laughs> he's played up front, he's played left wing back, he's played all sorts of different positions and done really well. But it's always the same, isn't it? Unfortunately, we've, we've for the last few seasons, he's started off really well, and then unfortunately. He gets an injury and season's over. Yeah, because you lean you lean on players that have got some quality in a squad that hasn't got a lot. Yeah, and um, and of course he, he's. I mean, he came on for some reason, didn't he, in that cup game and and went and, yeah. and nobody nobody thought well well everybody thought why the hell has he come on to get injured like that and we lost him for the rest of the season obviously so you know yeah he's good and and he's he's doing well and. What we need is we need to keep those that we have left in an attacking sense on the pitch. Mm. Um, absolutely. Uh, because I think BTA obviously is going to start. Uh, I think Wallace is obviously going to be there as captain. Um, and I think we'll see fellows. But I think Malumbi will start. I, I can't see. Like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I start can't see it. Considering how, how what he's been like, I would, I would put Wallace up front because he's been playing that almost false nine role, hasn't he? And doing all right, to be fair. And I'd put Mowat in behind him. And, well, I'm, uh, I'm in agreement with that, yeah, what you're yeah. saying. But I, t- I think BTL star. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a winning runner, isn't he? But he just he hasn't quite hit, you know, the... the I mean, he's never Lyle. really a goal scorer yeah. as such. He lacks um, Lyle. Yeah. He lacks but to be fair to him, I mean, him. he's up there on his own. I mean, you know, he's, he, he started to make a good sort of partnership with Madger. He got injured. Obviously tried to, you know... There's a few occasions where him and Daryl DK were up front together. He's now injured, you know. So it's fair play to BTA for staying fit. No, absolutely, and he is. Yeah. He's, he's a he's an epitome of um, of fitness, really. He's, he's mm. and he's a willing lad. And I, I don't want to say anything negative about him, but I, I'm just I just think that we're in a situation yeah. where playing playing poor old BTA up there on his jack. I mean, the crosses that are going in, they're all sort of like two foot over his head. Yeah, that's something else where he's not really sort of, you know, he's not that sort of striker, is he, that's no, going to be, you know, back to goal. He's not got and, the instinct. He's not got the instinct no. to come in at the far post when the right winger's got the ball, you know. Et he's, he's, a, he's a good, solid, hard-working grafter and he'll get he'll get you a sort of 10 a season probably. Mm. Um, we got nine last season, I think. But, he, you know, he'll get you 10 a season. Yeah. Um, but we need, we need somebody more prolific than that. And we ain't gonna buy one. No. No, we're not. But yeah, and I think as well, just you know, sort of compliments another couple of players before we end the podcast. Uh, like I said already, I think Darnell Furlong's done well. I think he's really benefited from actually having some competition. I think for too long, and this is not a criticism of him. I think this is this would happen to anybody. Nice. When you are the only player in a position, I know that Dara O'Shea played a bit of right back sometimes, but really when you're the only right wing back in the club. You know, you are going to get a bit complacent. So I think Pippa coming in 
has given Furlong that nudge and he has done very well. You know, he does, he is getting forward more, obviously scored a nice goal um, the other week. So, yeah, I think there's, I think there's reason to be positive um, on the field. I just hope that, like you say, we don't get to January and anyone who's played half decent gets sold because we've got no money. Let's, you know, fingers crossed we can get somebody. Um, well, we need that to be the, yeah, the situation. We need somebody to, to, you know, to come in. I mean, I, I remember hearing some somewhere that even if, you know, we were in advanced talks with the consortium, they then can start to sort of dictate what we do in the transfer window. And at least then we they could say, well, no, no player's going to get sold. You know, we're going to come in with a decent amount of money and really bring optimism back that we're going to get an owner that wants to see the club do well and puts money into the club rather than taking it out. So somebody who appears to give a vague fig about yeah, the club would yeah, be nice. Well, anyway, pal, um, the most well, the main thing for me, and I hope people are happy to hear this, is we'll be there to talk about it. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will talk about it, and and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna accentuate the positives as as well as as I've been doing all this podcast so far. <laughs> So anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening and thank you for sort of willing us back into doing it again because it is really appreciated. Um, it's probably best to keep up to date on our socials because, you know, when we do release our next podcast, it'll, I'll announce it on social media when it's come in and have your say. So uh, on Twitter, I am at MikeyWBFC, Mike from All Things Albion. If you want to follow me over there and on um Facebook, if you search for All Things Albion, you'll find us on there. And we've also got an email address. If you haven't got social media and you want to have your say, if you email me at allthingsalbionpodcast at gmail.com, you can email me there and I'll, I can read your have your says out because we always read the have your says and really enjoy the comments. So, yeah, just leaves me to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you very much, Steve, for joining me. It's good to be back. Boing, boing. Boing, boing, mate.